1: Hello everybody, welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki.
0: I'm Dale Spangler. And this week our guest is John Siminovich, founder of the Southern California motocross racing series, Moto for Kids. This episode of Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America. Moto America is the home of AMA Superbike Racing and is North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2022 series and revisit all the action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. To view the complete 2023 Moto America race schedule, head over to MotoAmerica.com and be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real time series updates. Welcome, everyone. To episode 151 of Pit Pass Moto. Hope everybody had a great holiday season. As always, we appreciate you, our listeners, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you happen to have some ideas for show guests or even a topic you'd like us to discuss in our all access conversation, head over to pitpassmoto.com forward slash contact. Send us a little message through the contact form. We'd love to hear from you. So, anyways, racing season has begun, Dave. Anaheim one did not disappoint. What did you think?
1: No, it never does, right? It's always uh, something I always tell people, something weird is going to happen when Anaheim (laughs) one comes around. And we had, I think, probably one of the more interesting race tracks to start the season for sure, because it looked, uh, it was rough and tumble out there, man.
0: Yes, The, the track was so challenging. In fact, I even, I think I wrote a quote down because it stood out to me. Tomac said that I think it was one of the top three most difficult tracks he's ever raced. When somebody like that says it's difficult, you know it's probably one of those where like you and I would have a hard time even getting a lap around that track.
1: Oh, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it, it got really soft between the jumps, the transfers, as they call them, a lot of ruts in between. So when you landed from a jump, you never knew which way it was going to send you. And I think that uh, a couple of riders paid the price because of that. And uh, told me I got the monkey off his back. Jet got the monkey off his back. They both took home A1s. Yeah. How about that?
0: Yeah, it only took him ten tries,
1: right, for Tomac. So that's his <laughs> <Yeah>. tenth. <laughs> they a- said his, one. <laughs> his average finish at Anaheim one was tenth. Really? So uh, yeah. Wow. Over those nine years prior, he just the guy looked so happy and was just having so much fun on his new bike. You know, there's Tomac, and I got to mention also Ferrandis on the same bike. Yep, just looked so comfortable and so energized to be racing out there, even though the track was a big challenge. Just. Just a big smile on his face after that moto.
0: Definitely. Well, it could have been so much easier for him. As we know, he was he was leading and then did a, I'm going to call it a scrub crash over that over the tabletop jump where he just basically laid it sideways, yeah. laid it down. Luckily, he didn't get hit. Like, he almost got hit by Roxon. And uh, I forget who else was behind him. But anyways, drops to fifth, mounts a charge, a classic Eli Tomac charge. And I think in this case, if it wouldn't have been such a difficult track, he might not have gotten back to fifth. But just because he's a beast, he was able to work his way from about fifth, I think he fell to all the way back to the lead. A couple of the guys up there, like Chase Sexton, um, I think he was looking like he was a little, little tired towards the end, maybe a little arm pump or something. But as we know, the first race, you know, there's jitters. Get that one out of the way. He was able to grab third place. But how about Cooper Webb? I think he served sort of notice that he's back this year. He's going to be a title contender.
1: So is the KTM curse over, huh? Yeah. So uh, he he looked comfortable enough to win, and I thought that was a very Webb-like track because he's like Tomac in that way. If it gets a little gnarly, he's you can't count the guy out. And but here's the thing: Anaheim won 2022. Webb got second place, so you know he kind of finished where he, most people probably thought he should have finished. But uh, you know, yeah, I agree. Hats off to him. He was kind of opportunistic with his uh, finish because he took off some riders that uh, kind of fell away, like Mookie who uh, had some uh, bad luck with that, uh, looked like a misshift shift yeah. or caught a neutral on that uh, transfer jump and went down pretty hard. Uh, I think he was seeing birdies flying around his helmet.
0: Yeah, oddly enough, it was very reminiscent of like the, the Chad Reed crash in World Supercross, where I think that was a fuel pump-related issue. But in this case, it's just like he downsided and it didn't even, like there was nothing there. So he just completely went over the bars. Luckily, it seems like all these racers that went down you know, pretty hard, like Pierce Brown was another one, Austin Forkner, Shane McElrath, and then Mookie, of course, too, Stewart, like, supposedly they're doing okay. Pierce Brown uh, had some kind of a contusion, I believe. Don't haven't heard anything about Forkner yet. Total bummer deal. We'll have to talk about that, too. But, and same thing with Shane McElrath, you know, rough start for him on the uh, the new HEP Suzuki.
1: Yeah, and that left one guy in a Suzuki in the race. And uh, I got to say, 100% of the Suzuki's on the track finished in the top 10. <laughs> So hats off to uh, Kickstart Kenny with his fifth overall on the on the hep Suzuki and Didn't look super comfortable. He was aggressive and even took the lead for a brief moment early in the moto, but uh, ended up uh, kind of fading back. I don't know. He just looked like he's still kind of getting used to the bike and maybe they had some setup issues. I don't know. The track was a challenge. So, you know, I think for him to go top five on on the weekend was still, you know, pretty good.
0: Yeah. And I kind of wonder when the the last time there was a Suzuki in the top five in the 450 class, you know? I mean, I don't know that, but (laughs) it's it's been a while, that's for sure.
1: But for me, the big surprise of the night in the 450 class I thought was Colt Nichols in his 450 debut on Team Honda takes uh, sixth overall. So hats off to Nichols. I say don't sleep on him. I think he'll get a podium before this series is over, if not better. I'm really uh, impressed with what he did as far as just being calm and, and careful and just riding smart the entire evening and in qualifying leading up to that final.
0: Yeah, especially 450 debut first A one on a 450. I think that's a that's a good call. He really did well to come out of, with the sixth place finish. I also think same thing for Ferrandis. You know, like I think I I heard one interview where he said that was his best A one finish, and he felt like it was one of his best 450 Supercross rides to date. And so, wow, if that's you know, I mean, fourth place, I don't think that really tells how how fast he was going. And so I think we're going to probably be seeing potentially a, you know, a, definitely a Ferrandis podium, but I think he's got the speed to, to take a win this year.
1: Honestly, I think you're right. And I think he probably will before Mookie will, but uh, that's just my personal opinion. But uh, I want to talk about the Austrian bikes. So the Austrian brands made up 45% of the field. So 10 of the 22 bikes in that final were from Austria, either Gas KTM or Husqvarna, but only two. Finished in the top ten. So what's that tell you? Do they really have the bike sorted out? I don't know. I think we we'll have to have to watch that as these races continue as they head into uh, what's going to look like a, a real wet and sloppy Oakland race coming up uh, this next weekend.
0: Yeah, the old bomb cyclone's just not letting up, is it? It's looking like it's pretty much. Uh, I don't see how it's not going to be a mud race at Oakland. You know, I mean, even if they do, because they got to build the track first, and it's supposed to rain there all week. And so I don't I don't really see how they're going to get around even if they try and cover the track. But uh yeah, it's going to be an interesting round 2, that's for sure.
1: So how about that 250 class? What do you think of that Dale? I mean, honestly, to me Jet Lawrence just the guy can't miss. He can't seem to do anything wrong on a dirt bike and uh like I said, he got the A1 monkey off his back after that uh, grueling one last year, but uh how about that Jet Lawrence, man? He just looks so steady.
0: I know I did. It was almost like a little bit boring. I hate to say that, but like he was so good and just everything was, it was a little little less eventful in the 250 class compared to the 450 class. That's for sure. But uh, the big thing there was just a a bummer again for the third year in a row title rival, Austin Forkner goes out in the freaky start crash. And it's just the weirdest thing ever. I swear the guy just can't catch a break, Kenny.
1: Oh, well, he definitely caught some breaks. <laughs> I, I think the word is still out on what's broken, but I hope the young man is okay. Cause you hate to see it just keep happening to him every year where it's happens early in the series and he's out of it. And he's definitely got the speed to, to win the series. But, uh, Going back to Jet, his lap time is, we would have put him in the top five in the 450 class. That's how fast he was going, by the way. Just wanted to mention that. But uh, yeah, Forkner, he got into Hampshire's rear wheel, it kind of looked like, and it took him sideways and high-sided him and just kind of ragdolled down the track. And he wasn't 30 feet out of the gate. So really disappointing to see his season start that way. But the flip side of that is Cameron McAdoo taking third on the podium. Just looks steady and strong, and he'll probably win one this year. I really hope to to see Cameron pull some.
0: Definitely. Well, RJ Hampshire was definitely impressive. Uh, won his heat race, went on to finish a strong second place, uh, past Cameron McAdoo, uh, who finished, ended up in the final podium spot. So I think that track to me, Anaheim one might not have been a good indication of how the rest of the race is going to go. I think McAdoo and Hampshire are going to be even more competitive when we get on a track. That's maybe not quite as rutted and, you know, holes everywhere digging in. Like we said, it's going to be muddy this weekend. So, all bets are off when it comes to the rain, so you don't know who's going to win when it's when it's muddy, and it might be an opportunity for somebody like Hampshire to come through and, and take the win this coming weekend.
1: Yeah, they say the mud is the great equalizer, and I 100% agree with that. And uh, saw some fresh new names though in that top 10 in that 250 class. And I want to mention, uh, make a shout out to Enzo Lopes, who uh, I think he led qualifying going into the final and ended up uh, finishing sixth overall. And two of the new young star riders. You had uh, Levi Kitchen and uh, Styles Robertson on the Star Yamahas finishing inside the top 10. So these young new names that uh, they brought on board and hope to make a run of it. Um, and also, I think this might be the breakout season for young Max Volan, that KTM rider. He, uh, he had a top five. He finished fifth. So uh, let's keep an eye on these guys as they roll into Oakland. If there is a race or if it gets rained out or canceled, we don't know yet, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it. One other thing
0: I thought I'd mention before we get on to our interview um, Dakar week one has just wrapped up, and in fact, today they're on uh, rest day, and after eight stages of the total of 14 stages that will be completed, they're on a much-needed rest day today. And uh, the big news is, though, American Skyler House is leading the overall, and he's a friend of the show, and so we couldn't be more excited for him. Wow, like unbelievable. The factory Husqvarna, he's in first place, and then American Mason Klein is in third place, and so... Unfortunately, Ricky Brabeck, he went out on stage three with the crash. So unfortunately, he's out for this year's series. But um, yeah, really cool to see Skylar House doing so well. He just seems like he has he's so level-headed, keeping cool. He's got an amazing handlebar mustache he's rocking. So I'm hoping that we'll see this time next week. We'll be talking about him being another American Dakar rally champion. And uh, one other shout-out, another friend of the show, Jacob Argybright. He sits 25th overall in his maiden Dakar great job to him and so if you haven't yet make sure you check in on the Dakar and uh, see if uh, another American takes the Dakar win. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto the founder of Moto for Kids Racing John Siminovich. John how are you doing today?
2: hi dale doing great and uh man hopefully you guys and all the listeners are doing well here in the new year um been an exciting one and excited to uh to get it kicked off here with pit pass moto thank you guys so much for having me
0: absolutely how how's life been treating you i know you've been busy with your race series did you get time to, to head over to watch the races this past weekend at a1 oh we sure did
2: um my wife and my two little boys had an opportunity to get out there to a1 and um Check out some of the uh, the pit party action and the fan fest zone, and I, I think you guys probably saw it from home, man. What a what a great evening of racing! The lights class or the 250 class was a bit of a snore, I'd say, just based on kind of no no real action, but man, the 450. Uh, main event had all the action.
0: Yeah, over-delivered on the 450, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. And
2: um, pits were packed, so love to see that. I think it was a really um, real weird time last year in 2022, kicking off the season, um, coming off of kind of COVID and everybody the unsure of what was going on. So it was really nice just to see the pits packed, and um, it was full of energy, that's
0: for sure. Definitely. So let's talk about the reason, main reason we wanted to have you on the show, besides being a super rad dude, long industry associate like Dave and I. Um, you came up with this idea for this racing series in Southern California called Bodo for Kids Racing. And you just finished, if I'm not mistaken, you just finished your second full year of racing with the series. And uh, tell us about how this idea came about to create Bodo for Kids Racing.
2: You know, I think with anything really came from just the passion of racing, right, as our as ourselves. And um, early on, um, there were some other individuals that we had kind of partnered with. And, um, you know, I think... Uh, over a short period of time, we we realized maybe they weren't the right partners, but what it did do is really challenged me to kind of rise to the occasion. Um, we we knew what the opportunity looked like and how we could kind of develop this series, uh, to your point, specifically for kids. Um, you know, the youth, uh, four to 17 is is our, really our age range. And um, with that kind of uh, coming off of COVID, so really a COVID project and not understanding uh you know, the overall uh, size and where, where we thought we could take this thing was uh, was a real eye-opener um, after we kind of kicked off in 2021 in our first race. And um, really, I think just saw the need coming out of that kind of COVID time and and where everybody was really trying to get out of the house and wanted something to do. Um, and so that's where it just, it stuck, you know, and we kind of took the right steps to develop it um, with offering what I felt were the right classes to, segue a day um, but also provide competition among with the competition obviously comes community and that was a big thing for us is like how do we how do we develop this competition level to make sure that uh, it breeds really a great community of uh, young riders and, uh, and families alike
0: yeah that that's uh, a couple of things that i noticed about your series that really kind of separates it is for you have like these sort of segments you break it up into you call thriller bees which, which is super cool, which is kind of your spring series. And then you have summer school when the kids are out and then you have a fall series called Rad Riders. So how did that come about? Cause I mean, it seems like you, you were really behind the marketing and kind of just trying to create this series with just doing things differently. And so let's talk a little bit more about that. And like, so what does differentiate your series from others out there?
2: Yeah. You know, I think to your point, it's seasonalities, right. And, um, you typically find with local series that you'll, you'll get four or five round series that will make up just that series. When we started off, it really began with being about the future stars. That's what we envisioned, right? It's like the future stars and the former stars, the former stars were kind of the dads and the parents that maybe had their time to shine, but now is really focusing on the future stars. Um, so our first series, we really didn't have a name. We're like, let's just run with it. Do we really need a series name? Um, and then when we really started to develop it to position as far as having, you know, those different races within these series where we developed kind of the names and um, the thriller bees came from like, if you can imagine like 65s. 85s or like the 50s you know the buzzing noise that they make coming off the starter into turn one that was kind of the feel for it and, and kind of what we felt like that's ah, the thriller bees it's the buzz right of the motorcycles I
0: didn't know if it was Wu-Tang there's a Wu-Tang reference a little bit there They're like They're Wu-Tang killer bees you know the thriller bees
2: <laughs> no you're absolutely right that was um, you know growing up listening to music or rap and I think that's what we take a lot from right you take a lot of these things and Kind of that old adage, like, what's old is now new again. Um, so we really wanted yep. to develop these, um, you know, these series that I think just have these kind of crafty names, but um, really had substance as far as what we could do to develop it from, you know, the T-shirts, the branding play. You know, now everything's uh, so socially driven. And I think that's just been such a great tool for us. And then uh, to your point, like our summer series that we developed, we really wanted to look to bring substance to each race. It's not just about racing as a whole, um, but it's about how we can kind of drive more substance and do things to help educate. So we really wanted to use the platform for our summer series, which we partnered with On Track School. Um, If you're familiar with the Lieb family, Andrea or Michael Lieb, um, the son of them, um, ex-pro racer. Yeah. They have such a great platform for distance learning, and I just felt man, how, how, how can we develop this? So we're COVID times, people are uncertain if they want to send their kids back to school, whether that's public or private school. Um, but distance learning has really become a thing for a lot of parents and gave them another option. Right. And so for me, it was like, man, this is such a cool thing. And they're so invested in amateur motocross. So working closely with Andrea and um, Don Lieb, um, we came up with the on track school summer series, um, three round series, really kind of giving again, just more substance to give an outlet and educate some of the parents that just maybe didn't feel they had that extra option outside of public or private schooling
0: we'll get back to the conversation in one moment but first here's a word from our sponsor
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help You know, the, the Austrian brands have brought out the e-bikes in, in those mini classes, and I wanted to ask you, how's the turnout been for the e-bike level classes, and what's been the acceptance from the general race families and public? I mean, has it been a big deal that the e-bikes have been kind of merged into the series, or what do you see it with uh, how that's going? It's been a huge success for
2: us, you know, early on when we started this class, there was really pretty dismal. We had, you know, maybe a handful of riders. And I think now um, at any given race, we're able to see, you know, upwards of 10 or 15 riders in that class. Um, So the introductory uh, point for a lot of these families, what I'm seeing is the minimal workload for on the parents to get the bikes ready for the race weekend, right? It's typically uh, make sure the battery's charged, spokes are tight. Do a once over bolt check and uh, make sure you got some air in the tires and you can go racing with the, um, the Mini E class. And so, yeah, I have seen a lot of success in that class. I think you're going to continue to see it. Um, we've just recently purchased my son an SXE5 during Christmas. Um, so, I think the point of entry is, uh, is pretty light outside of the cost incurred, obviously, with purchasing the motorcycle. But I think it does take an ease off of like. What you would see typically maybe like a BMX family trying to find that next alternative to go racing and, and obviously that being
1: motocross. So kind of with that in mind, do you do you see that as a potential? We're always looking for ways to kind of grow our sport, bring new people, outside people into the sport. Do you see that as maybe a lever we could pull that would draw somebody into the sport that wouldn't be less intimidated by an e-bike versus, as you mentioned, you know, the maintenance and all the things that you have to have right in order to get on, get the bike on the track. Do you see maybe that as a lever we could pull to kind of help continue to grow the sport?
2: I think you're seeing it right now. I think uh, what KTM has been able to do with the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge, um, that's inviting, right? That um, welcomes people from the home front to really see that on uh, such a national scale or international scale, um, to bring visibility to what those motorcycles are doing right now in this space. Uh, I think you guys have seen it with Greenger and Honda, um, Tarot that are kind of coming into the marketplace. I think it's a great point of entry for these kids. Like I said, um, many of them, they start on a BMX level. So to have that really kind of ease to get into the sport, I think it's, it's been accepted. I think you're seeing more with some of the other, uh, motorcycle brands that are coming out, um, with more of a, uh, electric motorcycle. Um, It's really difficult to say maybe from, you know, an older skewing demo where, you know, they're going to always challenge it. But I think for the young parents, um, maybe like myself, um, see the ease of um, what, you know, KTM has been able to do or the KTM group has been able to do with the GAS, GAS, and the Husqvarna line um, to introduce and get new riders on what I feel is kind of a really important segment for what we're trying to do for the future.
0: So you do a lot of like, I've noticed, you know, like following your social media, you do a lot of like little special things for the riders that show up, like very unique trophies. Like, I think you give like a Wiener Schnitzel, like a gift card for like a lunch. Um, you've done like a really amazing banquet, I think the last couple of years. So talk about that a little bit more, like how you try and make it a little bit more kind of special than say some other races where you go and you get a trophy and that's about it. You know, it seems like you're just doing some really unique, cool things.
2: I've just seen over the years, I think there's been a lot of take, take, take from a lot of race promotions on a lot of different levels. And I think for myself, I, I saw the challenges growing up, you know, whether they were um, something we ever, ever really spoke about in the household and the struggles to get to the race or to be able to get through the front gate, right? Just to even get to that point was a challenge, I think. And it still is, it's really relevant in the space that we're in. It's motorcycles inherently, it's expensive. So if we can take any step to kind of give back to the parents and to the kids, I always liked what. um, baseball or uh, football had done for like the junior leagues and offering a banquet or an awards ceremony. I just don't think that's ever really been done in our sport. I think at at the end of the year is something that everybody does. But for us, what we try to do is be in the moment with those particular series. And um, so we have, we've developed an awards banquet. You know, we do uh, take a little bit more of the Reese's sources to lean on some of our sponsors to do really cool giveaways. And um, with our awards banquet, to your point, we can. Do really special trophies? We can do something that you know these kids. It's it's not a paper plate, you know, and that they you know over a handful of years, dad decides to kind of toss it away. You know, these are trophies that we feel that not only just the parents but the kids are going to want to hold on to these for you know many years to come. To you know, in our hopes that they'll be able to share those with some of their kids down the line, and um, again, um, something that they uh, they can be proud to hold
0: onto. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dave and I can attest to. I mean, we probably had just room full of just the same. Trophies almost like replicas of them for three I mean, hundreds of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. yeah, having those unique, special trophies, I mean, those are the ones that I still have, you know, like hanging on my walls are those kind of special and different ones. So, kudos to you guys for doing just that kind of making it that little bit more special.
2: Yeah, no, um, it's been so fun. I think that's the best part doing these banquets, you know, getting to honor these kids for their efforts and for their commitment to racing and then with us, especially. You know, it goes a long way. And um, we want to make sure that we can continue to develop that to, uh, to be unique in the marketplace. And I think that's what we've been able to do so well here. Um, and again, we're still young. We're only in our year number three and um, still have big aspirations to do some bigger events um, like we have calendared for this year. And I think that's a, a big compliment um, to those families for their commitment.
0: Absolutely. Now, another aspect I've noticed that your series is behind is working with charity organizations and doing fundraisers. Uh, like I noticed, where you're working with the Kirk Caselli Foundation, and then you recently did something with the Ryan Dungey Foundation. It seems like you're just, you know, that's another aspect of what you're doing to help just grow the sport and build everybody up, you know, within the industry. Going into creating this series, was that something that you knew you wanted to make a part of this?
2: You know what, I don't think initially it was something that we really had in mind. I think for us was really just to develop a program that we felt was strong, right? Something that these, uh, everybody could get behind and and really feel like, wow, okay, this is, great racing it's great atmosphere. Um, I always just felt like if we had this community of, um, of riders and families that were engaged with what we're doing, how could we engage other avenues? Um, much like you said, with, um, uh, working with some of these nonprofit organizations, um, toy drives and things that I know if we have the substance and we have the, again, that community together that we could really drive and get behind some of these, uh, great nonprofits or, or, um, you know, good, um, Individuals, right. That just, I think do, do really great things for our industry that sometimes they're not, they're not quick to tout about. Right. I think it's kind of a concealed thing. And, and obviously they want to try to get as many eyeballs on it to, to bring some awareness. Um, and I think that's where we were able to kind of come in with this great racing community that we have and, and bring some awareness to the Ryan Dungy foundation and their efforts for St. Jude, but also to get kids on bikes at a young age or, or, or at the, the kindergarten level, um, and which has been super fun for us to work alongside um, Lauren and um, the Ryan Dungy Foundation. And Ryan's very, very much involved in that. So it's been uh, been such a great compliment to our program. And um, we're just thankful for everybody that's really stood behind us to uh, to help.
1: So I noticed on your sponsor page that you've got uh, Go Fast Girls as one of the contributors to your program. Are they still part of that program?
2: Yeah, they sure are. Um Bear Sharbarth, uh, and um, and Kristen Charbarth, uh, such a great family. And, you know, they're entrenched in, in motorsports in general, just. And I think you guys know it's like the girls' market is pretty strong on, on all fronts in motorsports. Probably not to the level that we would like to see um, competitively, but um, yes, they stand behind our program really well. And they're kind of um, a great key to some of the girls' classes that we offer. Um, we're really unique in our race offerings we do have three specific girl classes that we do offer so if you if you look at some of the other uh venues or or say larger promoters they they really only offer maybe one girl class and so for us i just felt that there was such a community of young girl riders that we should be able to offer something that's more um, tailored to their bike size and their age demographic and that's where we've been able to kind of break through and, and offer something a little bit more specific to, again, just the bike size and, and the girls and their ages.
1: Yeah. And you're kind of in a unique position to kind of see, you know, is it growing or is it stagnant or is it not going anywhere? I, with the enthusiasm I hear in your voice, it sounds to me like it's a growing thing. And that's a good thing, I think, to see more ladies come into the sport and see how far they can go. Is that, is it, do you see it growing? I believe it is. You know it's tough because we're so small. We're just this, you know, little nugget out here in
2: Southern California. But I think it's um, having great partners that can um, bring a little bit more visibility to what we're doing. And we have seen those numbers grow. And that's been uh, that's been tremendous for us. We really allow the girls to have that one focus in one class. And then with that, um, they can go into what would be a more of an age appropriate class with the boys. So allow the girls to kind of have their own focus in their own class, and then they can kind of step down into what would be their second class offering um, to go battle with the boys.
1: That's great that you're tailoring it and, and, and making it fit for, for the people that need to uh, get involved in the sport and, and grow with it. But uh, I can imagine on a race day or let's say a race weekend that uh, running that series, you've got your hands full. I mean, yeah, I imagine you're wearing a lot of hats on, a, on everything probably all week leading up to an event. But um, what's a typical race day like for you? And uh, what's some of the more challenging aspects of running a, an event like that?
2: I think a lot of it is building the communication level with the tracks, right? We want to make sure that we're associating ourselves with great tracks that really support our efforts with the kids. Um, and that's really been a big thing for us. We want to have really good alignment and um, work at those particular tracks or individuals that really see the value in what we're doing for, again, it's it's very unique. It's um, It only focuses on the youth. So uh, if we can drive a high level of participation mixed in with a high level of promotion, coupled with really great race. I think that's kind of like our kind of pillar is that right there. Um, There's a a lot that goes into it. I have a wonderful wife who has a full-time job already, um, and she's been able to really help and be supportive on these efforts um, on on so many different levels. Uh, As you know, there's a a lot that goes into event promotions, and um, I've been fortunate to make this really more of a full-time program uh, where we can really set the focus on it. So it's really not just a job, but now really making it um, a career and something that I Think that we can see a lot of growth out of with having the right partners, going to the right tracks, um, and uh, providing a great race platform.
0: So I'm curious to know, as someone who's started their own business two years ago myself, what's been the most rewarding part of this starting your own motorcycle race series and your own business? I mean that's just got to be incredibly rewarding. As Dave said, it's got to be incredibly difficult too. Kind of a you know a little bit to love hate sometimes, but it's got to be rewarding when you leave a track. At the end of a, a weekend and you got to feel good about it.
2: I do. I uh, It's very rewarding. It has its challenges. And so you don't take those challenges uh, very lightly. You know, you definitely want to try to face them and, and hit them head on. And I think that's what's so rewarding at the end of the day, when you see the hard work and the efforts that, you know, uh, myself, my family, all the great partners that we have directly with our organization that you know, help with registration, our timing team, our uh, safety flag team are, you know, there's so many different elements. And so, yes, anytime that we have these individuals uh, there to support us, we don't take that lightly. We understand that everybody has a commitment um, elsewhere. And typically that's what the family and um, if we're not able to do the job, then we understand that, man, maybe time is better spent at home Um and I think that that's a challenge for us, too. We have two two young boys that aren't quite really at that racing level, but um, are starting to understand, well, mom and dad are gone on the weekends quite often. And uh, I think that's been probably the most challenging part is on the weekends, um, separating ourselves from our family and, and going out. And what I'll say is sometimes feel like you're babysitting other kids uh, or other family's kids. <laughs> and, I, and I say that, you know, nicely, because, again, we love what we do. But when you do run into those challenges... I think that for us, we, we try to look beyond it. Uh, but before looking beyond it, we want to address those issues or challenges and make sure that we're taking the right steps beyond that to go forward. Um, again, with those big commitments on the weekend, we want to make sure that we're having good alignment with going to the right tracks that really want to support our efforts, right? Because if not, it's what's, it's for nothing then, right?
0: Yep. Well, one of those tracks that you have coming up as we, as we close down here on this, on this interview with you, well, let's talk about your 2023 series. You have this really cool race coming up called the youth Motomania, uh, hopefully coming up this weekend. If the, uh, the rain will give us a break, you know, that you guys are getting in Southern California, but tentatively it's, it's set for this weekend, January 13th through the 15th at Fox raceway, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So tell us a little bit about this event you have coming up.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's been really cool kind of this idea growing up and and watching through like the eighties and nineties, like um, if you envision uh, wrestling, you know, in the nineties that's kind of the look and feel I really wanted to go with to offer this. So yeah, Youth Moto Mania is what we came up with. Um, We've been uh, blessed to work with again, um, Fox Raceway as a a great um, hosting partner at the track. Um, And then in addition to that, Fox Racing has actually since came on board to support our racing efforts and um, that's been Probably one of the largest compliments that I think we've received as being young race promoters is having, um, you know, such a um, starship, so to speak, uh, brand out there that really sees what we're doing in the marketplace. And uh, so to have Fox Racing come on board has been been really amazing. And we hope the uh, the rain will subside and allow us to get this uh, first race off. It will be our first run at um, what is now AMA. So we're going to go AMA for this event. Um, we're an affiliate partner with AMA and and understand there's a lot of uh, growth that we're going to need to do to develop this thing and what we would hope would be a featured event for them uh, in the future. And yeah, we're excited. Youth Motomania, it's uh it's really something cool and unique um, out there. Again, it's still focusing on just that, the youth um, 4 to 17. We've been able to develop some of the classes um to kind of mirror exactly like what ama or mx sports is doing out there so it's not a distant throw for these families um, when they do decide to go to the national level and and do go try to race loretta's and be successful like our our good buddy dale here
0: (laughs) well and then what after that then february i think the thriller bees series starts up then
2: yeah, that's right. So the Thriller Bees will kick off and that'll be our second year. And um, so cool. We just have uh, such great creative behind everything. And I think that's what really keeps it unique. And we're really happy to kind of get the series started here for year number three. And and again, I think with each year, we just want to try to develop it um, to be what we hope would be just that much more better year over year.
0: Well, John, we really appreciate everyone in the industry, I think, is probably... You know, appreciates people like you who, you know, go the extra mile. Obviously, you didn't have to start this race series, but you did. And and you're doing great things with it. And so really cool to see. And uh, where can people find you, though? Find more information if they if they happen to live in the Southern California area or even some of the outlying states. How can they find out more information about the Moto for Kids racing series?
2: Yeah, I think the social media has been such a great tool for us. So it's uh, at motoforkids.racing. Again, that's at motoforkids.racing. You guys can find all the details. We're very active on that. And then obviously you can go directly to our website www.motoforkids.racing again, and uh, you can find all the details that you guys would need through the year. We have all of our calendars up to date um, and are uh, and really pretty active on that. Um, you guys can go directly through our registration portal and find out all the class offerings and any of the details that um, any young family looking to break into motocross would uh, would wanna find.
0: John, again, doing great stuff. We appreciate your time today and all the best on a fantastic 2023 race season.
2: Dale, thank you guys so much. Dave, uh, the entire team, we really appreciate you guys for uh, considering us to come on here in the new year. Um, Pit Pass Moto, we appreciate you guys.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment please rate and review our show we'd really appreciate it you can also follow us on twitter facebook and instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog listen to past episodes and purchase your own pitpass moto swag
0: this has been a production of evergreen podcasts a special thank you to tommy boy helverson and the production
1: team at wesler media i'm dale spangler and i'm dave sulecki see you next week on pitpass moto